to KSUA Radio 91.5 FM Fairbanks. Uh, my name is Kevin. And my name is Dylan. And uh, yeah, we're back for another episode here on the uh, 9th of July, 2021. Uh, another episode of Speaking of Anthropology on KSUA 91.5 FM Fairbanks. And uh, this is another one of our uh, traditional episodes. We've been kind of uh, intermittently... Um, scattering them through but uh yeah this is another one of our interviews a return sort of to our traditional format and so our uh, guest for today uh, is a uh, phd uh, student here at uaf uh, varpu ladvonen so uh welcome to the show varpu uh, thank you for coming on today thanks for having me uh so if you wouldn't mind just very briefly um, introducing yourself uh, to our listeners for folks who um, might not know you, might have only heard of you in passing uh, through the anthropology department here at UAF. Um, yeah, so my name is uh, Varku and I'm originally from from Finland. Um, I grew up in, in northern Finland, um, bordering the traditional lands of, of the indigenous Sami people, um, but, but did my, um, um, uh, up until my MA I did in University of Helsinki. Um, and now, of course, I study cultural anthropology at, at UAF on the, and um, just enjoying my life as a, as a settler on um, these indigenous lands here. <laughs> um, so I guess that the, that's the brief introduction to it. Yeah, so then a bit of a, of a journey for you, but also, <laughs> you know, still staying within the uh, greater circumpolar north uh, then. So, you know, I figure we'll might as well uh, dive right into it, right? So I'm curious, uh, you know, one of the questions that I like to ask folks is what made them initially interested in anthropology and especially for you, um, you know, with the particular route that you took, I'm very curious as to um, how you wound up in anthropology and in uh, cultural anthropology specifically. Right, um, that is such, such a question. The answer might be a, a little bit long because um, like, um, so I wasn't always interested in anthropology but, but more kind of like in, in cultural studies in general. And my way to the Department of Anthropology was, was a little bit roundabout. Um, and I, I imagine that for many of us, uh, there's some kind of sparks of interest toward our areas of study that, that come from, from early childhood. And when I think about my childhood, I, um, I was always, I was, I was a super geek. <laughs> So I, I learned to read when I was six and was just like, like head on to books. Um, I had a lot of patience for, for reading, uh, reading books. So, so there was um, lots of 
I read lots of mythology. I was I was really into um, the Viking stories and poetic Edda. And of course, I didn't read Edda when I when I was a kid. Um, but but this kind of like children's versions of um, of um, of um, Edda and and Homeric stories. And I was just really into that and to the point that. That uh, when I was in my teens, I was like trying to chart out how the how all the Greek gods are related. <laughs> so um, yeah, um, definitely like a geek when it comes to reading. And uh, this this area of interest, like it started with myth mythology, but but of course has broadened since. And I also had um, a lot of patience for listening to elders. So I loved listening my grandparents tell about their their lives and the and the changes that they saw from from like twenties on and like the war years, like Second World War in Finland and and the the rebuilding and and this this like crazy transition that that Finland as a country went through from from being basically an agricultural based society to uh, you know integrating into into Europe and. Um, and uh, modernizing, and having having these nice things like like socialized uh, welfare system and and all of these things that really weren't a thing in my my uh, grandparents' youth. Anyway, I, I just I just really loved it, and I, um, I would listen to them a lot. And and I wasn't even um, even in the I wasn't even studying at the university at the time. I think I was finishing high school or something. And I um, used to visit my my grandfather, and I was trying to um, trying to let, um, trying to convince that convince him to talk to a recorder because his stories were so cool, and I realized that I couldn't remember, you know, like all the all the details and and um, twists and turns of um, like him telling his life, uh, but he never. He, he was. Um, he thought his stories are not, were not good enough, or his life wasn't interesting interesting enough to be recorded. Unfortunately, because I would, I would love to go back to those recordings. Anyway, um, so, so from from this kind of interest and and background, um, like that kind of gave gave me the the interest and the spark to <clears throat> to. To go towards university studies, and that was a little bit. Um, that was like I don't know, just just lucky for me because, like honestly, I I almost failed high high school. <laughs> I was not a good student, <laughs> and like um, I was skipping school a lot and and just um, you know hanging out in my room reading instead. So um, my grades were not the best, but uh, that in Finland that that's not. That's not all, everything that matters. Um, so how you how how you get to a university in Finland is is really competitive. Um, you don't know you don't like necessarily need high marks on your high school graduation papers, but you have to be able to pass entrance exams. And um, like for I uh, um, when I applied to to the Department of Folklore Studies, the they took in like. Eight percent of everybody who who applied, 
So it's like, it's like, that was really competitive, but also it wasn't, you know, like my, my success wasn't depending on my, my success in high school. <laughs> so um, I, I got into folklore um, and how I chose that was, was that I browsed the catalog for entrance exam books and just picked the, picked the field of study with the most interesting books. <laughs> um, so that's, that's how I got, got to university. Um, and I didn't even, at, in, at, in Helsinki, I didn't even study anthropology. Um, the, they, there is, of course, an anthropology department, but I think there, I, I was considering it because I, I felt like I need, um, need to have more understanding of ethnography, but um, their, their area focus, I think, wasn't something that interested me. Uh, I think they are pretty heavily focused on, on, on Africa. And I was all about the circumpolar north. So I, I don't know, like somehow I just never ended up taking um, anthropology classes, even though maybe I should have. One of um, our professors, um, Anna-Lena Siegel, uh, who was, was really inspiring for me. Um, and what I, what I kind of ended up studying, um, she, she was uh, more ethnographically focused in her work. Uh, she had um, she had studied not just Finnish folklore um, in field settings, but also uh, traveled a lot in in uh, in Russia when when um, the when research in Russia after the Soviet Union um, got disbanded uh, became possible again. And it was just her main main interests interest was in mythology, shamanism, um, northern peoples, and she was just like my absolute hero. <laughs> um, and I was I was really inspired by her and and her work. So um, so I got got interested in more um, ethnographic folklore studies. But um, also, I don't know, we had, in Finland, we had a freedom to study whatever we kind of want um, in addition to, to our major and, and like meeting these requirements. So my, my minor was in comparative study of religion, but then I also took classes in philosophy, gender studies, social psychology, human evolution. Um, and I even, even participated a couple of years at the department of drawing that's a kind of a relic from the time when when art was considered uh, an integral part part of a well-rounded education. <laughs> so um, yeah. Anyway, um, long story short, it was kind of a roundabout way to to get to anthropology through through folklore and through ethnog ethnographically uh, focused folklore instead of textual. Um, and of course, I've you know, like probably so many of us have these, these persistent questions that keep interesting um, us. And so some interesting questions for me were just this really basic, trying to understand how people make sense of the world. Um, first through, first I was interested in mythology and then, um, then uh, um, like just, just different facets of, of how it is to be a human and 
and how to understand the human connections with each other and everything else. Yeah, yeah. I, if I could jump in here, Varpu, oh, wow, that's, <laughs> you know, a long journey. And I think, um, you know, to a lot of our listeners uh, and, and to both Dylan and I, you know, we, we are also just trying to figure out what our journey is. Um, you know, I, I you know, I, I resonate with you on some senses with regards to, you know, the joy of reading and uh, the joy of just listening to stories and this need. I, I think, you know, Varpu, what's, what's really unique about your story is your, your unique interest in documenting. Um, I, I never thought about that when I was younger. Um, I would listen to my grandparents um, and probably like every rebellious teen, um, you know, consider their stories to be, oh, just another pastime and an old time story. But um, I think as I, as I matured and grew and, and learned, um, you know, the, the, the concept and understanding of, of what a story means and what's what its values have. Um, and of course, the temporality of a story that can disappear if you don't record it, right? Um, you know, likewise with what we're doing here with speaking of anthropology, it's uh, re recording these conversations, um, you know, that, that will, will only happen at this moment at 11 o'clock here in Fairbanks, Alaska, uh, or, or wherever else you're listening in the world. Um, so anyways, I just wanted to get a little bit existential there, Varpu, that's okay, Dylan as well, um, you know, with regards to what you just mentioned, um, you know, about your interest in your uh, introduction to this field. So Varpu then, I am curious as to, to follow up, right? And so you've, <laughs> you've quite nicely, you know, been able to give us this sort of um, in brief, right, version of, of how you kind of got interested in anthropology right and I will say too um it does seem to me maybe if you were going to go into um you know folklore and stuff then maybe um skipping school to read about mythology and stuff might have not been quite so uh you know unrelated to what you ended up doing than it might have appeared um initially but uh, at any rate I'm curious then as to how you kind of um you know, got from, from, you know, being interested in folklore and anthropology and stuff to specifically, you know, winding up in Alaska in that UAF, right, and making that move, um, you know, from, from Finland and from the university at Helsinki and such all the way, you know, still within the circumpolar north, but, you know, in, in North America and in the United States. Right. Um, yes, and that's, um, so I came here through exchange studies. It was the University of, of the Arctic North-to-North uh, -North exchange program that like I, it was, it was so great. You can get like anywhere in the North. <laughs> and and um, I was already, I, I always had it, had in mind that I would do exchange studies to um, experience something different and, and broaden my, my scope a little bit. And and coming to Fairbanks was was natural because of my my this deep seated interest towards northern cultures, and I wanted to learn more about um, northern cultures to be able to, I don't know, just have a little bit, bit more of a comparative scope, I suppose. But there's also also personal reasons for why I, uh, when I applied to go to exchange. Um, you're basically like at the time, at least uh, you were given, given three options and I only put uh, down one uh, that was to take me to Fairbanks, Alaska. <laughs> and um, 
so so there's there's kind of also personal family history that ties to my my grandfather's stories because because my grandfather's father uh, had been mining gold in Nome um, in in late no no um, early 1900s um, he he and his brother actually escaped a recruitment by by the Russian char who was um, recruiting Finnish young men to go fight foreign wars somewhere where my my great grandfather and his brother had no interest in going so they were like well let's uh, get us some forged passports and leave the country and uh, they came to United States my great grandfather went to the gold fields in Nome and and my uh, and his brother uh, went to the iron fields in Minnesota, northern Minnesota, and um, he actually stayed. So as a consequence, I also have, have distant cousins in, who live in Fairbanks, uh, um, a permafrost scientist and a, and a botanist, They're really cool people. So I was like interested in meeting them and learning more about this American side of, of the family story. <laughs> so again, I'm, you know, just following the stories, right? And it's been um, it's been super fun, um, but yeah, I so I um, studied uh, with I was like formally with the Northern Studies, but my university was really loose about their requirements of what an exchange student should do. Like I think they only required that I do like full time studies, so I got to study kind of what I wanted again, <laughs> um, and. And okay, this is getting really long story again, <laughs> but uh, then this is important also. So I um, took took one of the uh, like a just a general introduction to Alaska Native cultures with 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 Dr. Mike Koski. And over the class, he advertised a position as a research assistant for an ethnohistory project, and I was like, like, oh my goodness, that's me. <laughs> And, uh, and I also like kind of needed more money. <laughs> so it was perfect. And luckily he hired me and uh, I, got the, I got the job with this, this project uh, that was with a working title of, of um, the ethnohistory of Yukon Charlie Rivers National Park and Preserve. And um, doing that job, I just like tried to do my best to make myself in, indispensable. <laughs> And, um, and Mike did uh, like my work and he kept hiring me to come back to UAF uh, as an independent contractor and, um, and also like as a part of my, my larger immigration story, there's also an ex-husband, but we don't have to go to that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's like how I, how I ended up like, like actually living in, in Fairbanks. Yeah, it's, it's, um... I, I don't know if maybe maybe some of the listeners and, and both Dylan and I can resonate on that point part of it is um, somehow Fairbanks and the university and the faculty always find the right things for the students to do um, be it creating an opportunity or creating a job or creating some sort of cool experience um, to do research to do field work to do you know ethnohistorical work um, so it always lines up perfectly which is what's wonderful I think about UAF 
Um, you know, I, I did also, you know, wanted to, you know, ask a little bit, um, you know, more maybe about the Finnish background that you have, but, uh, you know, you, you speak a little bit about, um, you know, UARTIC and the North to North Exchange Program, um, a really, you know, profound program here at UAF and because it's the Arctic um, and, you know, Alaska, UAF is the Arctic Research University. Um, so you chose the right spot, I'm, I'm sure, uh, like, like many of us who ended up here. Um, but I was curious, you know, I know there's a lot of similarities. Um, you know, I, I saw so I myself been to Rovaniemi in Finland. Um, and I know, right, you know, there's the comparison. Uh, I, I know this is getting a little off topic, but, you know, uh, you know, the comparison between North Pole, Alaska and Rovaniemi, Finland, you know, Santa's house and all that. Um, what, what was it like for you to go from, you know, Finland to Alaska um, and that, that, that adventure beyond, you know, um, you know, tracing your, your historical um, roots um, and, and family uh, here to Alaska. But, you know, I was curious about that, if you could speak on that. Yeah, you know, it was more of a culture shock than I expected. So I um, thought that, that, okay, I'm like going to uh, a small city, it's fine. Like I grew up in a in kind of a, I don't know, 500 people town. So it was like, like okay, yeah, going a little smaller than Helsinki here. Um, and I expected the, the nature to be similar and I expected the people to be similar just because of our, you know, kind of, um, I don't know, like this, this shared um, Western culture. But uh, it, was, it was a big culture shock in all of the little ways that Finns and Americans are different. Like, like for instance, um, Finns like a lot of personal space <laughs> and you know, like, um, and that I, you know, like I felt like Americans were always standing too close and talking to me, talking at me too directly. And I, I hated walking along the street and like, like if I even glance at somebody, even briefly, they, they want to ask me how I'm doing <laughs> or like saying hello. And I felt like that was really intrusive. <laughs> and of course, you know, being um, kind of like a little bit trained in cultural differences and all that. I was just just kind of like observing myself um, going through this this process of, of um, culture shock and getting accustomed to to behaving in a more ex extroverted way than Finnish people would. Um, but uh, yeah, it was tough. But then, and then there's lots of like similarities that that were comforting, like um, like that I I know a good many of these plant species that grow here. Of course, there's there's things that I don't know, and things that I'm missing. But but a lot of the landscape and vegetation and animal life is is same as it is in Finland or similar. So uh, what's the, there's this uh, famous anthropological phrase, like similar, uh, the, uh, the strange, familiar, familiar, strange. I think uh, Levi Strauss says that. Um, so I, I'm sure that you've experienced that. We've, we've talked about this many times. Um, 
you know, maybe just to return briefly um, before we, we, I know, Barbie, you have some great music. So maybe we'll talk a little bit briefly about your ethno-historical project here, if you don't mind sharing what that was like um, and what that experience was. Um, I, I, Dylan, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think we've had, well, we've had ethnographers on the show. We've had, um, you know, uh, archival, uh, you know, or archivists uh, you know, on the show but not an ethno-historical project discussion yet. I don't think, right, Dylan? I do not believe so, no. Yeah. I think the closest okay. would be the stuff that um, Leslie McCartney talked about with us. That's right. Um, That's from right. the oral history archives. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm curious as well. Varfu, take it away. Um, ethno-historical project, um, yeah, here at UAF. Right, yeah. Um, so, so my experience with Edna history of course started with the Yukon Charlie project where I um, like my main job was to to go through the the amazing oral history collection that was recorded in, in 90s with um, the the people who lived in in the Yukon Charlie area or had some association with that or the park um, and there's like hundreds of interviews uh, that are partially published online in the in the um, Alaska and polar, polar regions collection and archives uh, project jukebox website um, but anyway so so that was like like a big part of, of what I did for for dr. Koski and and also I um, just read all the read through all the old old sources that talked about about the the um, Han Athabascan people Han Huichin. Um so just to, to build that kind of like like historical understanding of, of the changes that have happened in the region um, um, so that kind of I don't know just got me into into being interested in how how um, this understanding of, of history also has a bearing on the present and my my the PhD project that I'm I'm now doing on the on the the Sami people who came from Scandinavia to teach reindeer herding on, on the on the Alaskan coast uh, for Alaska native native uh, people like that's also also like like just a bit, a bit largely ethnohistory. Um, like I, for, for that, I, I read through these, these historical sources and, um, I try to kind of, kind of read into them absences of, um, of, um, the indigenous people, Sami and Inupiaq and Yupik alike. Um, but I should also say that there's, there's also lots of writing writing from, um, for instance, the Sami immigrants and, um, and three oral histories, which are really uh, great and, um, and interesting to, to hear because they are with uh, second generation immigrants and uh, they just can tell, tell about their own lives in their own words. So it's interesting always to see how, they, how these individual like, like personal narratives connect with with larger histo historical um, processes and uh, just give give this 
personal perspective of, of how it is how, how it was to live through all of that um, and uh, just give more information about history too. I'm very eager to to follow up a little bit and you had mentioned um, you know your your research project with um, on the topic of Sammy herding here uh, in Alaska. But first, I think it would be a good time for a uh, music break. And you had uh, given us, you've given us uh, two interesting song selections. And I was curious uh, if you wouldn't mind um, stating what those are for the listeners before we go into the uh, music break. Are you going to, do you think you're going to play the, are you going to play both of them? Yep. Okay. So there's uh, Marie Boine is is a like really amazing uh, Norwegian Sami yoik artist, and uh, it's kind of part of the soundtrack of my childhood. <laughs> um, my and it yeah like I I love her work, and and she's also kind of historically important because she was part of this this um, revitalization of. Of, of yoik music because yoik was um, it, it's a traditional Sami genre that was uh, suppressed because um, the the church thought it um, a form devil worship and then the other song is is uh, by Soul Captain Band that's that's a Finnish reggae band <laughs> and um, yeah just a fun song you get to you get to hear some Finnish. You're listening to KSUA Radio 91.5 FM Fairbanks. Uh, this is Speaking of Anthropology. Uh, my name is Kevin. And my name is Dylan. And uh, yeah, you know, we are sitting now at the 40-minute mark into today's episode, an interview with uh, Varpu Ladvonen, a PhD student here at UAF. And uh, something that you had mentioned uh, just a little bit prior to the break, Varpu, when you were discussing um, and ethno-historical project that you had worked on is is your current project working on um the sort of uh history i guess maybe but also you know present day effects possibly of of um san sammy reindeer herders in alaska right and so the sammy um indigenous peoples of uh northern uh scandinavia and finland um coming over i guess to alaska uh, as reindeer herders. So I was curious if you would mind uh, talking about that a little more, maybe explaining what that sort of um, is basically, you know, like for folks who don't know the story of any of that at all, you know, and then sort of what your uh, your work on that uh, topic looks like. Yeah, so, so um, in, in uh, late 1800s, uh, in in Alaska, there was this this initiative to to introduce domestic reindeer herding to um, coastal Alaska, to and like the stated aim of the project was to improve improve food security for um, Inupiaq and Yupik and and also um, to some extent uh, different different Athabascan um, peoples, but mostly reindeer were herded herded on the coast, and this. The um, 
like ray um reindeer was never um, domesticated in in alaska so it was this this like whole idea of of uh, taking care of domestic animals was um probably like a little bit a little bit new and different <laughs> um and the sami sami people who were just like kind of like probably even world famous for their large-scale reindeer herding and their reindeer based culture uh, were hired to come all the way from uh, scandinavia to to be reindeer herding instructors so um it just it's just an interesting story and and it um it seems it seems to be also a topic that's that interests um both both sami and um yeah, at least inupiaq folks alike um because it's this this like early you know instance of of early uh globalization and and it's it's tied to the the histories of colonialism both in alaska and also in scandinavia because um the, the sami like they were under at the time and under immense pressure from Nor norwegian government to uh change their culture um so so i'm uh i'm interested in in how much how much these these pressures that that came from just this this like colonial annexation of of land and and um pressure to change culture like how much that affected to the willing willingness of these sami reindeer herders to live to to alaska where they kind of like they become complicit in these colonial schemes here so it's like this really interesting um uh case of of indigenous settler colonialists and i'm just lo looking to to just provide more informa information about all these complexities um and also also there's still lots of um there's many many descendants of of sami people in the united states and some of them are uh, descendants of of uh, these Sami folks whose histories I'm researching, and and some some have ancestors who who came to the states for uh, I don't know different re re reasons in different times, but still um, this this story is uh, very interesting on on both sides of the Atlantic, and I'm just uh, really really in a in a lucky place. Um, like being familiar with with northern sami culture from my my ma work and just my life up in lapland and then also having having access to and, and knowledge about all these amazing archival research resources that are at, at uaf and in america in general it's a very um circumpolar northern story maybe right of as you said you you have um <laughs> as you put it indigenous settler colonialism in a way right or at least the participation of um indigenous peoples in this this settler colonial uh project right but at the same time you know as as you mentioned right these um both the sami and and you know uh various Inuit peoples and all all the peoples kind of in the circumpolar north of the indigenous peoples had sort of faced um uh 
colonial situations, right? That, uh, you know, they were different maybe in, in particular local circumstances, but a lot of the forces, um, you know, that were moving in um, were quite similar, right? You know, for the Sami is, is even you mentioned with us, um, the uh, music selection right earlier where the, you had Christianity coming in um, at a different time than it happened in, in maybe in a lot of North America, but, you know, you had Christianity coming in and sort of, sort of restricting these cultural practices, right? A similar thing that happened in, in the North American circumpolar North and, of course, in a lot of the Americas in general. And so uh, just those sorts of um, similarities uh, in the experiences that Indigenous peoples across the North have um, sort of seen as well as kind of embodied in this particular um, story or sets of stories that you're researching, I find uh, very, very interesting, right? It's, it's, uh, it's definitely a, I think, um, both a unique one, but also just a, uh, again, it's sort of the particular colonial forces that were working and are still working in a lot of ways across the uh, circumpolar north and those sorts of similarities uh, as well as the differences are, are I think, a, a ripe topic for a lot of research as well as, you know, a lot of work to do in maybe changing those colonial circumstances and those post-colonial circumstances for sure. Yeah, I um, say it a little bit as, as uh, like trying, I'm just trying to see how, how the present um, came to be mm -hmm. <laughs> through, through this history. And also, like a like a big part of, of all of it will will just be like a like a long um, analytic look into the the cultures of colonialism for sure, because it's so yeah it's so so present in in um, all of my data. Um, I guess this is more of a, just like a experiential or understanding of, of what it means to be a researcher. Um, so much of our, our show here for speaking of anthropology is discussing, um, you know, what an anthropologist is, what a uh, oral historian is, um, what an ethnographer is, um, and what, what do they do? Um, a lot of undergrads who come to UAF are trying to figure that out. A lot of you know, masters and PhD students as well. Uh, Varfu, maybe if you wouldn't mind speaking a little bit about, um, you know, what that experience has been like, uh, you know, what, what sort of research entails? Uh, is it going to Rasmus and library and the archives? Um, is it talking to a specific, uh, you know, uh, faculty here on campus? Um, or is it, you know, traveling to different parts of Alaska um, or, you know, you know, virtually traveling uh, via Zoom? Uh, these days, um, you know, what sort of uh, work does that entail? Uh, if you wouldn't mind speaking a little bit about that. Yeah, um, yeah, there's uh, a lot to it. Like my my work um, is a lot of it is um, like dealing with this archival archival materials, and um, I've. Um, I just you, you know how it kind of looks like is is that I I follow these these tangents. Um, so when you're considering a research project, you um, start doing doing a lit review. So for me, I read uh, the, the the literatures that that already exist about 
um, this this topic of of uh, Sami people in Alaska, and then started following some of the archival references that that are there, um, and that's uh, it. Mostly has taken me to the to the Alaska and Polar Regions collection and archive, where they have uh, just like different different collections of, of materials that, that relate to this, like they have um, Ben Bosey papers and like, you know, different um, Carl Owen, you know, like, like all these people who um, have archives that relate. But also I've been, I was lucky um, to visit archives at, at Eugene, Oregon, that had like important materials or like materials from an important person for this story. So, so it can also like look like traveling. So you go uh, somewhere for, for a few days and you spend uh, every day, the entire day from, from uh, morning to close, uh, sitting in this cold archival rooms, trying to find um, stuff that's gonna be useful and, um, and uh, unique because lots of archival materials still are not available online. So um, it's kind of a kind of a fun part about this to to be able to like see you know like somebody's old diary that was written like hundred years ago, and you get like the actual you you get to handle the actual artifact and like read the handwriting and like maybe imagine the hand that wrote it and like you know sitting in a in a drafty cabin somewhere on the on the um, Bering Strait re region you know like. Like yeah, it just that that's a part of it, and um, also uh, like oral histories. I deal a lot a lot with visual materials that that I've found from archives, and part of the process is is going to be um, once I hopefully get get funding for field work. Um, part of the process will be to. Um, take my collection of, of photos and, and show it around in, in Kautokeino, Norway, where um, the where the Sami people were recruited to come from here to here. And uh, yeah, so show the photos and, and like talk with uh, pretty much anybody who's interested <laughs> about them. Um, so that that can be, or well, that's another part of the project. quite a diversity then in, in um, both research methods, but also as, as you've said, in some of the stuff that you would um, like to get to do as well. I am curious just from a, um, maybe a, from a bit of a more linguistic question and standpoint. Um, is, so you mentioned, you know, looking at journals and stuff, and you've talked about how um, a lot of these folks uh, were writing stuff down. So I'm curious then as to, um, <laughs> For you, what does it? Uh, how many uh, different languages then are you are you working in, and what are these? How are these sorts of things being written down? Is it, you know, if if we're talking about folks, um, Sami folks originally from, um, you know, what is now Norway and stuff, right? And and what is Norway and stuff? And so, are we looking at folks who are writing in? Um, their first language or in a language that they acquired and and so what sorts of uh linguistic uh expertise um is sort of required for a project like this uh 
Yeah, that's a that's a good question. <laughs> um, I feel kind of lucky that most of most of my materials are in a language that I can I can actually read and understand. <laughs> uh, mainly, mainly I um, I know English, of course. Mm -hmm. um, but can also also um, read Swedish and Norwegian and those uh, there's not a lot of Norwegian language ma material but there's there are some um, the one big uh, gap is is my my um, lack of proficiency in northern Sami I uh, just didn't and this was of, of course um, pre-covid um, I didn't find any kind of language instruction online. Now I've heard though that there's there's some Northern Sami language instruction um, online that I should probably look into uh, to get at least basics. I mean, I know like basic pleasantries and can follow like a little tiny bit of of uh, just super simple conversation, but but it's nowhere um, close to being able to like like actually talk with people. And um, and that's like that's a big gap, but but it's also um, like it also provides opportunities. Like I'm writing a writing a grant application where I um, I ask money for a, a local research assistant. So I'm hoping to to find a, a student from Sami Alla School who's who's proficient in in English and Sami. And that could be like, like I'm I imagining that that could be just like really mutually beneficial arrangement. Like, like somebody is getting getting money and and uh, this research ex experience, and and I'm getting help with doing the doing interviews with with Sami elders who don't speak the languages that I know uh, fluently. Yeah, so, I mean, to any listeners who, who may be interested, uh, look out for that opportunity <laughs> uh, to, to work with Varpu um, and uh, on a wonderful project. Varpu, um, so, you know, before we end the show here today, um, we always ask uh, the, the finale question um, of, of, you know, you know, anthropology. And, uh, you know, we, I assume we hope you have an answer. If not, come up with an answer. But uh, the question is, what is anthropology, um, or if need be, um, since you've already mentioned a little bit about your uh, background with folklore studies, maybe uh, how what is anthropology from the perspective of folklore studies or whatever you're going to continue to, to work on? Oh yeah, um, so yeah, for people who don't know, folklore studies kind of fall fall under the the broad umbrella of anthropology, um, but they but folklore. Um, Folklorists study study immaterial culture um, that can be like like um, it usually looks like like stories, uh, jokes, rumors, urban legends, folk poetry um, can also be um, like so uh, song vocal performance, um, folk beliefs, you know uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, but there's a there's a drawback that that I think is pretty significant. Um, and that's and this is where anthropology is. Uh, I think, I think a you know a more useful approach to to culture. And the drawback of folklore studies is that that you can't really understand immaterial culture without also understanding 
um, these material facets of life. Like when I was doing my MA with, with Northern Sami elders, like one of the elders before we, I even got to ask any questions, like ask me, um, like, what do you know about reindeer life? Because like he was a lifetime herder and like all of, you know, that was his entire life, life experience. And I just had to admit that I, I don't know much about it, but, um, but that I'm hoping, to, <laughs> hoping for him to tell me some old stories, you know? And, and like only later when I started, started doing, doing, um, like doing more in-depth research on, on reindeer as a biological species and as a cultural species and all these uh, reindeer herding ways and uh, reindeer hunting ways too, that I realized how important it is to, to understand um, also these facets of, of like, um, like key, you know, keystone species for subsistence. Um, ecology, material culture, and, and just this like, like holistic totality that my, my education and my background in folklore studies didn't really like prepare me for. Um, so yeah, that's a um, little bit about folklore. <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, you know, when we think a little bit about uh, you know that background with folklore um and and uh, like you know you know you mentioned how it's an umbrella of anthropology and so much of anthropology uh, to us has been and it seems to be uh you know a a interdisciplinary a interconnected understanding of of what's going on in the world and with people and the behaviors and the cultures and the interactions uh and that's that's the, that's the beauty of it. Uh, but do you have maybe a definition for anthropology, Varpu? Since you know this whole show is about figuring out what that is. Oh right, um, I thought about it. I I don't have a definition. It's just something I do every day. I try to understand humans as basically this cultural animal. <laughs> um, yeah, both in past and present. That's, that sounds perfect to me. I, I, I think that's, uh, that was short and sweet too, right, Dylan? <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. That's a, <laughs> a sort of um, lens, right, that uh, shapes how we view the world. That's, that's for a lot of folks, that's how they uh, understand anthropology. You know, and this has been uh, Speaking of Anthropology here on KSUA 91.5 FM Fairbanks uh, with guest Varpu Latvonen. Folks who are interested, you know, if you have missed any past episodes of the show, that's on speakingvanthro.wixsite.com slash speakingvanthro. We will not have an episode next week, but we will be back the 23rd of July, 2021, with a bit of a different episode than what we've been able to do for the past uh, year and a half now. So I'm looking forward to that. Thank you again, Varpu. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you again, Varpu, for joining our show today.